My name is Lauren Garoni. And I'm Chelsea Fairless. And we're back. You're back. Back in person. Thank God. I'm seeing you for the first time in 2023, three-dimensionally. Yeah, I hate recording remote episodes, so really glad to be here. Yes, I do want to apologize for not letting you know that the road that gets you from your place to my (laughs) place is uh, closed. Yeah, it's been raining a lot in LA. Have you guys heard? Yeah, L.A. doesn't really have seasons except for this periodical one, which is, holy fuck, it's raining, everything's fucked up. I've never seen it like this. And you haven't seen it raining because you've missed it. No, I didn't miss the rain. I got back on the, it was still raining the day I got back. I love the Tats car, which you took here, looks like it it was a featured car in Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, I know. It's really fucked. Uh, She hasn't seen it yet, but it is horrifying. (laughs) It is horrifying what happened to that car. Anywho, shall we just get straight into it? Yeah, I think we should just get into it. The Golden Globes were on a random Tuesday. All right, I blame the Emmys, which were on a Monday this past year because the Sunday that it normally happens was September 11th. So they decided to have it September 12th. God knows why we went from Sunday to Tuesday. Yeah, imagine how fucked up it would be if they had asked, like, every person on the red carpet about September 11th, like, right before the show. Okay, well, Lauren, I'm surprised you don't know this. It's on a Tuesday because NBC is still not giving them their original slot back. It's it's part of their punishment is why it's on a Tuesday, because it's, like, the worst night or something. Wow. Yeah. Well... After a performative year off air, the Golden Globes are back and viewership was down 26%. Hmm. You think it's because it was on a Tuesday? I think it's because it's Tuesday. (laughs) Should we start with the host, Gerard Carmichael, who in our group thread, you were like, who is this? Okay, love him. He's major. Yeah. I think he was a fantastic host. A lot of his material was genuinely shocking in a good way. And... I like that he steered clear of the traditional opening monologue where the host very like fakely and gently roasts everyone in the audience. Like it's it's very cheesy and stale, I think, and predictable. Yeah, I love a comedian who's not afraid of the silence. And I also love that he just straight up said how much he got paid. Totally. Uh, and Which was $500,000, by the way. Work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's enough money to overlook the problematic aspects of the uh, Hollywood foreign press, I think. Uh, Yeah, and I think his best joke of the night was the idea that he would trade Tom Cruise's forfeited Golden Globes, which I forgot that Tom Cruise did that last year uh, for the safe return of Shelley Miscavige. Yeah. That was amazing because people in the room seemed genuinely shocked when he said that. Do you think people in that audience didn't know who Shelley Miscavige is? Is No, everyone knows. 
everyone there knows. Maybe not everyone at home knows. I don't know who watched Leah Remini's Escape from Scientology or Going Clear, but obviously we did. Leah Remini was living for that. I also like that Gerard Carmichael did a lot of outfit changes. It felt very reminiscent of Sarah Jessica Parker hosting the MTV <laughs> Movie Awards in the year 2000. Yeah, absolutely. Did you clock when the piano player played the Sex and the City theme coming back from a commercial break? Because I felt like I was hallucinating. Well, also I was like, oh my God, is the end just like <laughs> that cast going to come out? Because I think they could have killed if they came out and made jokes about the fact that they had no nominations. Then we would all get hyped up for season two. But again, that's actually a fun segment, but that's we're never going to get that. But I think that happened before Nisi Nash came out. And that I thought was another funny joke, how he was like, we're both gay now. <laughs> and then you see like Nisi Nash and her very hot wife in the audience. And you're like, oh, I, I understand why she's gay now. <laughs> Fair. Fair enough. Um, I thought the best bit of the night was when Regina Hall came out and her live reaction to Kevin Costner's prepared statement of why he couldn't be in Los Angeles as he was sheltering in place in Santa Barbara, which, by the way, means Montecito. He just wants to seem humble. Exactly. And so that just conjures up images of someone sheltering in place in a mansion that has like 10 bathrooms, which is just fucking hilarious. I mean, that's on the small side. Harry and Megan's house has 10 bedrooms but like 15 bathrooms yeah should we get to the elephant in the room which is Austin Butler's continued Elvis accent <laughs> well whatever it makes him hotter he looks great in his Gucci tux he did. It seemed like Gucci dressed everyone that evening, but it really feels to me, it reminds me of in high school, I went to school with someone that spoke in a fake British accent for the entirety of high school. And it feels like because people have made such a big deal. So they were like, <laughs> the like Gwen Stefani, but with British people. Uh, yeah, don't think that Gwen Stefani doesn't also have British person stolen valor because in that interview where she was like, I'm Japanese, she's like, I'm also British. I'm also a British girl as well. <laughs> but I feel like because people have made fun of Austin Butler's change in voice because he's been a child actor, so there's video footage of him from five years ago speaking like a boy from Orange County that he is, that he's like, I can't now stop doing it. People are wondering if once the award season's over, if he'll drop the accent. But I think he's like, fuck, I have to do this for the rest of my life now. Yeah. It's embarrassing to admit that you've done that. You know, you kind of have to double down when challenged. What's more embarrassing is people online defending him and they're like, guys, those clips are from like 10 years ago. Voices change. It's like, sure, the deepness of one's voice, the nasaliness of, say, my voice, but you don't just all of a sudden adopt a drawl as you get older. True. What did you think about the Whitney Houston joke? Unnecessary. Really? Because basically he said something to the effect of this award show is held at the Beverly Hilton, the hotel that killed Whitney Houston. Is that not the first thing you think about when you drive by that hotel? It's not because I thought she died at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Oh, no. Because to me, like, that's a joke that we would make. I understand that it's very dark and in poor taste. But, like, when I look at the Beverly Wilshire, I think Pretty Woman. Right. When I look at the Beverly Hilton, I think Whitney Houston. Like, it's just a fact. 
Yeah, I'm sure the Beverly Hilton did not appreciate that association. They're like, we just got people to stop associating us with her death. Yeah. Also, the Rock Hudson joke. What was the Rock Hudson joke? I forgot. He said, we actually presented Will Smith with the Rock Hudson Award for best portrayal of masculinity on television, (laughs) which many people thought was homophobic (laughs) because the inference being that a gay man cannot be masculine, which obviously isn't true. But when you look at Rock Hudson's film roles, he was cartoonishly butch, as was every leading man in the time period, really. But it does make more sense if you happen to believe a certain rumor that the Every Outfit podcast, for legal reasons, does not endorse. But there is an existing rumor that Will Smith and Chris Rock hooked up at some point back in the day, and that's why his reaction was so fucking psychotic. And whether this is true or not, I look forward to this being represented in a Law and Order episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, but if that is true, it's even more insane that he made that joke. But it makes the joke make more sense. You have to have a lot of... You have to be on crazy days and, and nights exclusively to understand <laughs> that joke fully. Exactly. But the Golden Globes really did solidify that this is going to be... Will Smith's legacy. A man, the press tour for emancipation did nothing to eradicate our memory. And what are you going to do? I mean, Eddie Murphy essentially bodied him in his acceptance speech for his Lifetime Achievement Award by yeah. saying, you know, the three things to remain successful, pay your taxes, which is a dig, I assume, about Wesley Snipes, who went to prison for tax evasion. Mind your business, which just... General advice. And uh, keep Will Smith's wife's name out of your goddamn mouth. Incredible. That did kill. Eddie Murphy is arguably the greatest comedian of all time, and he's making that joke about you. You have Chris Rock, who is going to be doing a live Netflix special next month where there's no way, even if it's just in a minor way, he's not going to reference that incident. Oh, of course. So what the fuck is Will Smith going to do? This is now his legacy. What do you mean, what is he going to do? He's going to put out more videos on his YouTube channel. (laughs) He's just a vlogger now. I've left Hollywood and become a vlogger. Exactly. But I really liked the Golden Globes this year because they did have a very unpredictable quality and they kind of gave us everything, right? The comedy from the host felt legitimately dangerous some of the acceptance speeches did feel very off the cuff like regina hall of course but also mike white jennifer coolidge who also killed with their acceptance speeches yeah i think more people that win awards should talk about how hollywood has rejected them for a majority of their career (laughs) absolutely and whomever was on the writing staff that wrote that extended speech that jennifer coolidge had when she was presenting an award about her fear about presenting an award and her inability to pronounce people People's names. I felt like it was representative of us. <laughs> of course. I really felt seen there. Of course. And we also got some genuinely moving speeches, which an award show needs, right? Like we want people to be excited to get their awards, as Jennifer Coolidge clearly was, as Kehui Kwong was, who won for um, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yeah. Another person that was like, Hollywood rejected me for many decades, but now I'm back, bitch. (laughs) Also, Ryan Murphy's acceptance speech for his Lifetime Achievement Award or the Carol Burnett Award or whatever the fuck it's called. Loved that. Also, I love this DM that we got from our listener, Amanda, that said, 
I was half expecting Ryan Murphy to thank the lovely hosts of the Every Outfit podcast who have championed my work since day one. Yeah, ever since Nip Tuck, baby. We've been there. <laughs> we truly are his biggest fans. Also, I love that he shared the spotlight with some of the actors that make his shows so good, especially MJ Rodriguez, who obviously got fucked last year because she won for Pose, but didn't actually get to accept the award in front of a crowd as there was no ceremony. Yeah, but even when she got her flowers, it was on Tuesday night and viewership was down 26%. (laughs) So thanks a lot, NBC. Who are you really punishing? Also, Billy Porter presented Daddy Ryan Murphy with his award wearing a reworked version of the famous Christian Siriano tuxedo gown that he wore to the Oscars. Which when I saw Billy Porter on the red carpet, I was like, that's interesting. Why is he doing that? It's a little and- soon. <laughs> and then he explained that Ryan Murphy requested that he wear that. And Billy Porter was like, bitch, it's in a museum. Which, by the way, I did see it. It was in the V&A menswear fashion exhibit. Oh, that's cool. I think we all got really sick of the tuxedo gown because it was so overexposed. But it was a brilliant boundary-breaking red carpet moment at the time and probably the best thing that Christian Siriano has ever done. But the thing that happened is if it had been maligned by the general public in the way that Bjork's swan dress was, I mean, I think now it would be seen as cooler, but because it was so widely praised, like it lost a bit of its edge in a weird way. With time, the pendulum is going to swing back either way. If something was maligned, it's beloved. If it was beloved, it's going to be maligned. But I think that speaks to how, going back to to Ryan Murphy's speech, how secure he is in his career that he made the speech about other people. As I texted you, Ellen could never. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, also, so wait, the Fablemans won Best Picture or just Best Director? It won both. Spielberg won Best Director and it won Best Picture, which, to be fair, it's a real Best Picture fodder. Oh, yeah. It's about the childhood of one of the greatest living American directors. Like, what more do you want? Everyone I know that's seen it is like, don't bother seeing this movie. You haven't seen it, but you know anyone that has seen it? Like, should we see it? I feel like one of us should see it. And before we recorded, we tossed a coin as to who who has to read the Prince Harry book. And that was me. So I think you need to see the (laughs) Fablemans. Fine. That sounds good. Or you have to take the hit for both of us and watch Avatar Way of Water. Oh, absolutely not. I didn't see the first one. I'm not about to see the second one. By the way, do you think so many people were in blue as a nod to Avatar The Way of the Water supremacy at the box office? Honestly, I wouldn't be mad if someone came as an Avatar, like in a sort of like Thierry Mugler type sense, you know? Ben Stiller did do that at the Oscars, but it was a bit about, I think he was presenting the makeup award and he dressed up like the Navi. Right. But back to Spielberg, one thing I really loved (laughs) in his acceptance speech was his shading of John Cassavetes for treating him like shit when (laughs) Steven Spielberg worked for him as a PA on what film I have no idea but what's even better is that Quentin Tarantino presented the award to him and whispered Cassavetes would have been proud which prompted Spielberg (laughs) to explain I was his PA and I fucking hate that guy (laughs) also where's his grave I'm gonna go piss on it after the award show (laughs) 
Also, I appreciated uh, Quentin. And fuck Jenna Rhodes, too. Yeah, fuck both of them. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Zoe Cassavetes, if you're listening. We still love you. And Nick Cassavetes. He's very scary looking and very tall. <laughs> fuck, what was I going to say? Oh, I also appreciated Quentin Tarantino's enthusiasm for Kate Blanchett, who wasn't there, by the way. Okay, so I think award shows need to be a little bit more like the People's Choice Awards. And if someone's in the goddamn audience, they're getting the award. Or wait, I mean, then the yeah. <laughs> Everyone gets the Golden Globes. <laughs> Everyone wins for every single category. No, but you know what I mean? I'm sorry, but we can't be giving awards to people that are like in Europe shooting right now, okay? I want them there. Exactly. Fuck Kevin Costner. Fuck Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Chopped her out of there, Costner. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Well, maybe it's because it's on a Tuesday. And actually, now I know why she missed it. It's because she had to go to the British premiere of Tar. Oh, well, all right. British people have not gotten Tar yet, quite tragically. So that's what she was doing. All right, well, that is understandable. But it seems like it's more important for he- her to be at the Golden Globes winning Best Actress for Tar than going to one of the 10,000 international premieres. That's true, especially because Michelle Yeoh won because I think everything, 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 everything everywhere, everywhere all at once. You gotta yeah, say it was fast. comedy was in the comedy category, but I predict, and it has nothing to do with my feelings about Tar, but I think Michelle Yeoh is going to win Best Actress at the Oscars. Yeah, well, wait, Kate Blanchett has won already, though, surely. Twice, I believe, Best Supporting Actress and then Best Actress. For what? Supporting for Aviator, and I can't remember. Oh, that's such a boring thing to win for. What else? Catherine Hepburn, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, Best Actress. She didn't win for Elizabeth, did she? She was nominated. I think that was the year with, like, Titanic and stuff, right? Or am I just... Oh, you know why we each have a blank spot about what she won Best Actress for? She won it for fucking Blue Jasmine. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, um, what was up with Sean Penn introducing Zelensky? Because... Oh, that was a buzzkill. <laughs> well, also because Zelensky didn't even introduce an, an award. It wasn't like the year at the Oscars where Jack Nicholson came out to present Best Picture. <laughs> no, then- it's true. Even like when Barack Obama like jumps in, he still does something. But that's what I'm saying. At the Oscars, there was that year where Jack Nicholson, I think it was 2012, went to go present Best Picture. And you're like, oh shit, Jack Nicholson. And what he did was introduce Michelle Obama, who was the one that announced Best Picture. Right. I'm sorry, but like when Sean Penn speaks at award shows, I become a conservative. Yeah, totally. Although we support our Ukrainian listeners and their leader, obviously. It's just was weird. Yeah. It was like we were suddenly in some weird Zoom call in the middle of the award ceremony. And I think that also gave me PTSD from the quarantine COVID award shows that were all just like fucked up Zooms. This is true, although I will say the Emmys did do it a be- do it the best, where they had someone in a biohazard suit in front of every nominee's doors, potentially with an award. And I forget who it was, but someone who lost just filmed <laughs> yeah. that person walking away. <laughs> it had its charm, I will say. Yeah, it- that was truly dystopian, but in a great way. Should we talk about the fashion? Fashion, that's what I was going to get into. I just have a note that says... 
uh, about Jessica Chastain. I maintain pale people shouldn't wear flesh-colored gowns. I say this as a pale person. (laughs) That didn't bother me so much, but I don't know. Overall, I did not like the fashions of the Golden Globes. I loved the event itself, but the clothes really left something to be desired because with all major award shows, people go one of two routes. It's either this sort of generic poofy 1950s movie star drag which is really cliche and uninteresting or it's this spangly body conscious Vanna White type shit like no one actually looks chic except for Letitia Wright who wore Prada Prada yeah just want to point out her Prada dress very similar vibes to the Prada dress that Carrie wears to Smith Jared's opening Yes. In in Brooklyn, I think Prada is really good at making textiles that look like they have severe water damage. I mean, there's several different versions of Prada and they just keep evolving. And that's the, uh, you know, water damage Prada. But this is the kind of Prada we never get on the red carpet. Because usually Prada customs for award shows don't look anything like Prada. Right. Speaking of which, uh, Hillary Swank's Oh, look, the Marilyn Monroe neighbor is outside. Oh, my God. She's now in workout gear. Anyway. Um, But speaking of Prada that doesn't look like Prada, Hilary Swank's geriatric pregnancy look was Prada. Yeah, see, you would never know. That could be any brand. Yeah. I liked Emma Darcy from House of the Dragon looking very tat-like, I must say, in that oversized acne studio suit. Because it's like at least... Tat would hate that. She's scared that she looks like that. To people. I think it's maybe because of the Femi shoe, but I think that was a mixed bag personally, but I get it. I get it. At least, at least they're doing something interesting, which is always Absolutely. our point about the red carpet. Should we get into... I liked the oh. blazer, but I think, I don't know their name, so I'm just going to call them Negroni Spagliato. I think, I don't know, there is something about, it looks like very editorial to me with the like thing, the gloves and the rhinestone shoes and stuff but I love I obviously love acne which is what they were wearing and I love the blazer but anyway should we get into Margot Robbie's blood oath with Chanel continuing I mean I don't really want to but I guess we can sure I continue (laughs) it's still happening but I love that they were like look you can wear Aliyah to the Babylon premiere but come award season you're ours bitch yeah I just feel like there's going to be so much pink Chanel for the press tour of Barbie. Why are you wearing pink now? Yeah, I had the same thought. Who else looked good? I thought Selena Gomez looked good in Valentino. I mean, Kate Young is really doing God's work with her. I like Donald Glover in Saint Laurent. Yeah, he looked great. Also, that just felt very real because I saw him being interviewed on the red carpet where he's like, I just want to be comfortable. And I think more people should be wearing fancy pajamas to award shows. Totally. But yeah, kind of like not that great. Oh, I mean, Michelle Yeoh looked great in Armani, styled by my friend Jordan Johnson. I want to try and get her on the pod for the Oscars because I'm sure she's turning out some sort of fierce look for Michelle. What else? What did you think about Rihanna? Great. I mean, we're not the biggest fans of Scaparelli, but she looked incredible. Yeah, I liked the dress, but I didn't like the hair or the shoe. I think there were some hair problems overall this year. I also wasn't a fan at how how many people Gucci dressed for the award show. Like Daisy Edgar Jones from Normal People 
That was a beautiful dress, but again, the hair was like for something completely different. Well, also, it's the most Versace-looking Gucci outfit ever. Yeah. Well, I think the fucked Gucci one was the Jenna Ortega's dress, which... Which completely overwhelmed her. Everyone put that on their best dress. I was like, I felt like Bugatu. Am I taking crazy pills? I don't think she looks that good at it. Well, it looks like she was trying on a runway sample that was designed for someone that was at least like a full foot taller than her or something. Like you couldn't see her hands. You couldn't see like her in it. It was weird. It was also a weird combination of sort of like Bohemia and that almost like Versace-esque kind of bondage shit. Yeah, and I felt that her coloring with the color hue of the dress kind of washed her out a little bit. I didn't mind the coloring, but I just, it didn't look like it fit. Anyway, shall we move on? I think so. I mean, I don't have high hopes that the fashion is going to get more subversive for the Oscars or any other award show other than the Independent Spirit Awards, which I maintain is the best award show in recent years. Yeah. But people also turn out good looks for the SAG Awards, you know, that they should wear to the Oscars instead. So we'll see what happens there as well. Anywho, what the fuck have you been watching over Christmas break? I know, I'm very behind on things that are most likely going to be nominated for Best Picture. I was waiting for you to see women talking so we can see what these women are talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Fableman's No, The Whale I haven't watched yet. Yeah, we can go see The Whale this week. But I did watch Babylon. Oh, how was that? It's interesting. All through the holidays, it was like, man, this movie bombed. It only made a couple million dollars and the budget was 80 million. And what happened? And then I watched it. And within the first minute, Chelsea, and I'm not being hyperbolic, an elephant takes a giant shit on the camera lens. And then within five minutes of Babylon... A very rotund man that I assume is supposed to represent Fatty Arbuck is buck naked and a woman climbs on top of his stomach and I'm like, oh, she's going to give him a golden shower. Obviously, the camera's going to cut. No, she then starts pissing on his stomach and then I'm like, okay, that's a lot. Then she moves over to his mouth and she gives him a golden shower into his mouth. It's like... Yeah, no, no, no. This movie made exactly as much money as it should make. You can't (laughs) fucking... I can't... I saw Wolf of Wall Street with my parents. I can't watch this movie with them. Yeah. This movie... You can't take children on Christmas Day to see this movie. Speaking of children, I did just see an elephant taking a shit at the Sydney (laughs) Zoo with my nephew recently, and it was shocking. Yeah, the movie is more, I know a lot of people have been like, oh, it's like Wolf of Wall Street meets the beginning of the, you know, the Hollywood Golden Age. But it plays more like Jackass because there's the shit, the elephant shit. Also, halfway through the film, Margot Robbie projectile vomits for an extended amount of time. Right. So my conspiracy theory is that studios are giving outsized budgets to auteur directors so that their original films fail at the box office and studios can be like, look, we tried. No one wants to see these movies. That's why we just need to make sequels and reboots for the rest of time. Right. I didn't really have any desire to see that, honestly. It's the most batshit insane near X rating film for two and a half hours. And then the last five minutes is a Tree of Life-esque saccharine montage of scenes from other movies that feels very first year film school. I mean, I liked Tree of Life, so... (laughs) 
It would be like if you went to go see a horror film and the climax of the horror film was just showing you clips from like The Shining and Scream and Chainsaw Massacre. And you're like, what? Right, right. (laughs) Are you allowed to do this? (laughs) Got it, got it, got it. Anyway, what did you watch? Well, I did watch Everything Everywhere All at Once on the plane. I love watching movies on planes. Isn't it great? It's kind of the best place to see a movie, I think. Did you sob? No, I didn't sob. I mean, it had a stunning and perfect cast, but I did not know that it was a fantasy sci-fi action movie. So I was like, wait, what the fuck? I actively avoid like every movie in this genre. Oh, oh, it's literally about a multiverse. Yeah, nerd (laughs) shit. So I'm not the correct audience for the film, but the performances were incredible and it did win me over by the end. I was just a bit taken aback. Yeah, if you don't know that you are going to see a universe where people have hot dog fingers, I guess it would take you by surprise. Yeah, exactly. The other thing I love about Everything Everywhere All at Once is when you describe it to another person, you sound crazy because you're like, and then there's like the most moving scene with two rocks just subtitled talking to each other. (laughs) And then there's a a lesbian sequence where they have hot dog fingers and it's the most romantic thing. I mean, that that was incredible. I loved that, obviously. What else did I watch? I watched Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery on Netflix. How was that? (sighs) Look, I was a Ryan Johnson stan, okay? I saw Brick in the theater. Oh, yeah. Same. (laughs) And it was a life-changing experience, mostly because in high school, all I wanted was a twinkie, long-haired, Joseph Gordon-Levitt-looking boyfriend. Right, and that was kind of the high point of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's career, between that and, like, Mysterious Skin and stuff. Oh, before I forget, I do want to pitch you a Patreon episode where we just talk about Joseph Gordon-Levitt's reign from 2009 to 2013, where he was in every movie. Yeah, what happened to him? (sighs) He made his own film. Whatever. That's a whole other Patreon episode. Okay. But since The Last Jedi, I really cannot handle Ryan Johnson's way of subverting expectation, which is how dare you think that your expectations were going to be subverted. And Ryan Johnson is a genre master, but a comedy writer, he is not. Right. However, I will say the highlight of the film is an Easter egg that I think you'll appreciate, which is a flashback scene where Edward Norton dresses very briefly as TJ Mackey from Magnolia. Right, right, right. Yeah, I did (laughs) see that. People have been tagging us in in those memes. No, I do love that. It's not pertinent to the plot at all. Uh, Evidently, Edward Norton just showed up on set dressed like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Why not? I'm guessing you didn't also watch Matilda (laughs) (laughs) on Amazon Prime. I did not. I watched uh, Blumhouse's version of Matilda called Megan. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. We will talk about that once I have. But yeah, Matilda is not a remake of the 90s movie. It is a film adaptation of the musical, which originated in London and moved to New York, which is where I saw it. And I... Love that musical. The songs are incredible because I just love when little children sing, you know, (laughs) but the Matilda was great, but she was like an old Matilda. Like she was like 12, whereas I think Matilda is traditionally like seven or eight or something. But I think child labor laws may be such that you can't really have a feature length film about a seven year old anymore. Right. Unless that seven year old emancipates themselves. 
Yeah. Like even watching like a movie like Annie now that came out in the 80s, it's like pretty shocking because like in that hard knock life sequence, it's like there's like literal like six year olds doing backflips on like cast iron beds and shit that is just not safe or legal by today's standards. Goddamn woke Hollywood (laughs) stopping us from having little children work long hours and do dangerous stunts for our our pleasure. Exactly. For the sake of the Broadway musical. Um, But yeah, if you have a kid or whatever, I think it was fun. But the best movie I saw on the plane was... Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which I had never seen, despite the fact that it came out in 2019. And it's a movie that I always really wanted to see. And I realized something about myself, which is that if there's a movie that I'm dying to see, if I do not watch it within the first five months of its release, it then goes in this weird box. It's like a counterintuitive form of procrastination where I'm like procrastinating something that I actually want to see. It's so weird. Do you know what also is in that category for us is Benedetta. I know. (laughs) I know. That's what I was thinking of. But that movie is so fucking good. Like you should see that if for no other reason than to witness uh, Celine Sciamma's just stylish and beautiful direction. It's just, it's fabulous. Although that's the movie that made me cry on the plane. You know, ugly crying in the darkness. That's a review, baby. That's why, by the way, I didn't watch everything everywhere all at once when it came out because kind of like This Is Us, everyone was like, you're going to sob in the theater. It's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. Did people sob in the theater? Yeah, that was the the word when it came out last summer. Everyone was like, I cried. Hmm. I mean, I lived for Michelle Yeoh's nervous breakdown at the IRS uh, headquarters. We've all been there. Um, oh, also on the plane, I spent like three hours watching Kelly Wurstler's Masterclass. Have you seen this by any chance? <laughs> I haven't, but I've definitely seen people that have no doubt watched that Masterclass and think they're Kelly Wurstler when I go to open houses. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about Kelly Wurstler's Masterclass is she just has these giant trays in her studio and she just like mixes around pieces of like marble and like uh, <laughs> molding and like fabric inside these giant trays and that's all it is but honestly i could have watched it for hours masterclass needs to do sequels of certain master classes i need part two of uh, aaron sorkin telling me how i should write a screenplay <laughs> do you because i thought you hated the first one yeah no that was sarcasm i have to say chelsea thank you for including in the outline jen shaw's sentencing oh yeah well i knew you would want to talk about it Thank you. So also, this is the one Housewives that I have seen at least one full season. So over the holidays, something not shamazing happened, which is that Jen Shaw of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City was sentenced to six and a half years in prison. In July, Shaw was found guilty of committing wire fraud for running a telemarketing scheme that defrauded elderly people, according to the outlet I read, out of thousands of dollars. But it has to be like hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to get 6.5 years in prison. Anyway. One would think. This is something that she spent her entire run on Housewives denying, even going so far as to make her season two tagline, the only thing that I'm guilty of is being Shawmazing. (laughs) I thought you would appreciate that her lawyers have requested that she spend her prison sentence at the Minimum Security Women's Prison Camp, FPC Byron, where Elizabeth Holmes will be serving out her sentence come April this year. Great. Wow. What a duo. Can she get out with good behavior? Like, is she actually going to serve six and a half years? I think she's going to serve a 
few years for sure. And uh, something tells me she's going to have her own uh, Niecy Nash narrative afterwards. I hope so. Also, I would be remiss if I did not also speak about the fact that Lisa Renna announced she was leaving the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills franchise. Chelsea, you understand that this is more Andy Cohen allowing her to quit before she could be fired? I mean, I don't understand that, but all I know is that she still has that haircut that Shane from the L Word had like (laughs) 20 years ago. It's very disturbing because sometimes in her interview looks, she'll wear a long wig and it's just like, it looks wrong. Yeah. It doesn't seem right that she's had the same haircut for 30 years, but then when she tries to do other things with extensions or wigs, it just, it doesn't look correct either. Yeah. I can't wait to see Jen Shaw's like going to jail paparazzi look. It's always so fun when a glamorous evil woman goes to jail, you know, like Ghislaine Maxwell or Leona Helmsley or something. Yeah, and she's definitely playing the part. The evening that she was sentenced in New York, she had a 20-person lavish dinner at an Italian restaurant. Also, I forget, did we mention what she did? Because what she did is truly evil. Yeah, I did say she defrauded elderly people in a telemarketing scam. Right. She ran a boiler room. And she, instead of rolling over on anyone, everyone below her rolled over on her, which is why she got the highest sentence. Right. And she also had to endure the humiliation of all those fake designer bags being seized from her house by the government. Like, imagine being the, like, luxury authenticator for the cops when they try and, like, repossess your shit. That's true. Yeah, they're trying to give these poor people some money back only to learn that none of it was real. (laughs) Moving on to fashion. Yes, uh, the internet was whelmed last week when Hailey Bieber organized a pap walk wearing a cropped white tee that read Nepo Baby in such tiny sans serif font that I thought it was photoshopped at first. Yeah, it looked photoshopped. (sighs) And then it was revealed in other paparazzi photos from that day that she changed back into a blank t-shirt almost immediately so she couldn't even commit to the fucking bit. Yeah, that is upsetting. She looked like she was in the parking garage of the Beverly Center or something. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it was a serve. I think that it would have been funnier if she had a more established career like Miley Cyrus or something like that. But I think that most people do still think of her as Justin Bieber's wife primarily and Stephen Baldwin's daughter, of course. Okay, so that's the more embarrassing thing, I think, which is out of all of the quote-unquote Nepo babies, she is the one that I least associate with that label because you're like, one, she's Hailey Bieber now, and you're like, all right, she's Justin Bieber's wife. If you don't have a context for her, and then when you hear that she's a Baldwin, you go, oh, she's Alex's daughter, and then you and then you have to be like, no, she's Stephen's daughter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think of her, she's more like a top-tier influencer. Like, of yeah. course, she models and has a skincare line but that's again top tier influencer business endeavors and also it's not like at least to my knowledge and we like to consider ourselves pop culture aficionados she hasn't had the blowback that like lily rose depp did to the nepo baby thing like if anyone were to wear that shirt in a planned paparazzi photo it should have been lily rose depp as a way to combat how she was made fun of in that new york magazine article for her quote about it (laughs) Yeah, but when Haley donned the Nepo Baby tee, 
it unintentionally evoked so many other celebrities who have utilized slogan tees to comment on something happening in the media, right? Like Naomi Campbell immediately comes to mind for me because she wore that hoodie that said, Naomi hit me on the front. And then it said, and I loved it on the back. And this was when she had to go to trial and served community service time, right? For throwing a phone at her assistant. I think it was actually for attacking a paparazzo. Oh, I get all that shit mixed up in my head. I don't really judge her that much for attacking a paparazzo. I feel like that's kind of fair game. See, it's funny what I thought of when I saw the Hailey Bieber shirt was the infamous Julia Roberts in the Aloe Vera t-shirt, which is... Alo Vera. Vera. It's the worst pun in the world. It's like even Carrie Bradshaw would never. But really she's trying to say hello Vera, who was at the time the estranged wife of her soon-to-be husband, current husband, Danny Motor. And this woman, Vera, who was a makeup artist that was married to Danny Motor when Julia Roberts met him, would not sign the divorce papers. So Julia Roberts wore that t-shirt and then called paparazzi and then like got on her flip phone and was smiling in front of the cameras yeah it was in my opinion pretty embarrassing oddly enough the shirt itself looked pretty cool like it's very like bella freud vibes but the pun is terrible also i maintain if you literally steal someone's husband in a very public fashion you then don't go parading around west hollywood with some handmade shirt just to get like tabloid attention like it's just a little dark speaking of which i also thought of when paris hilton and nikki hilton walked out of kitson wearing each one was wearing a team jolie team aniston t-shirt right that was a little different because that was commenting on a celebrity scandal that they weren't directly involved in and also i think they sold those shirts at kitson right i think to be truly unhinged you have to make your own shirt as julia roberts and Haley bieber have done so more like uh, Macy Gray when she wore the dress to the MTV Awards <laughs> yes. that said my album dropped September 18th, 2001. Incredible. No, that was so good. I really loved that. Well, there's also Britney Spears wearing the Juicy Couture Dump Him shirt. Right, like right after her and Justin Timberlake had broken up. But I thought he dumped her because she cheated on him, or at least that's what the Cry Me a River music video led me to believe. And... When I went to go look up this shirt, all I can find are knockoffs. So I didn't know if this is when he had started dating Cameron Diaz. So she wore that shirt as like a warning to her. But one listing I did find is there is an original Juicy Couture Dump Him shirt for sale on eBay for nearly $10,000. And it just... <laughs> That's fucked up. And it just says, please read the description, which I did. And it's like, look, I don't know how much to charge for this. This has a huge sentimental value. You can't find it anywhere else. I'm not really charging $10,000, but I don't know how much. Let's make be. them an offer. <laughs> see if they'll give it to us for 100 bucks. <laughs> I was going to say 700 but okay. Just try 100 and see what they write back. And Chelsea, before we move on, if you'll allow me, I do have to bring up the infamous Tom Hiddleston I Heart TS <laughs> t-shirts. Yeah, because that I think was custom, no? Like she didn't sell those. She sold them afterwards, but I don't think she sold them before. Or perhaps some Swifties can correct me. Look, I so rarely get to talk about the insane quote that Tom Hiddleston gave to explain this incident. So if you'll allow me. Sure. The truth is, it was the 4th of July and a public holiday. We were playing a game and I slipped and hurt my back. 
and I wanted to protect the greys from the sun and said, does anyone have a t-shirt? And one of her friends said, I've got this. And we all oh, laughed about it. Oh my God. It was a joke. It was a joke on you, Tom. The joke was on you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is like the most extreme instance of a celebrity debasing themselves with a slogan T that I've ever seen. I bet that is on the top of his list of regrets along with his um, Golden Globe speech. Yeah. yeah, To bring it back. Look how we do that. And while not a paparazzi photo, I have to mention Winona Ryder wearing the free Winona shirt for W Magazine after her arrest. Yeah, that was great. Back when W, God, I miss those old covers. They were like all in studio. They were just, ugh, they were sensational. They had the balls to put a black and white photo as the cover image. Well, also like, remember when magazines felt like relevant and stuff? Like that felt like a very timely, relevant, and edgy cover at the time, which was cool. Which now, I mean, Winona Ryder doesn't have Instagram, but now you would just have a friend or a photographer friend take that photo and you'd put it on Instagram. Yeah. I really think the only celebrity that has the sense of humor to pull this off would have been Dakota Johnson, but she would never. Right. Because she's not that desperate for attention. But I was a little taken aback when I was looking at my Instagram feed and saw this new Gucci Jackie bag campaign featuring her. Which, question, does the Jackie bag warrant, like, an eight different image campaign? We we know about it. We do know about it. Also, should you carry a Jackie bag to the Pilates studio <laughs> okay. while in leggings and a sports bra? I would say no. The other issue I have with this ad is it's Dakota Johnson in a G-Wagon walking around Sunset Plaza, which is fab, but for those who don't live in Los Angeles, is a very Euro-trash section of West Hollywood. We fucking love it. But the things that Dakota Johnson is doing, given her public persona and the things like her being in a big G-Wagon and walking around Sunset Plaza, leaving a yoga class. Get Christine Quinn to be in this ad. She practically lives in Sunset Plaza. That's what I'm saying is it lends itself to be campy and humorous, but the photos have this weird blue-gray cast on them and the campaign isn't funny. So I don't understand what it's trying to say. It's true because it's not funny like that iconic Steven Meisel Vogue Italia LA paparazzi inspired shoot. Like that was funny. This could have been funny through casting, but Gucci being Gucci, they refused to cast anyone other than Jared Leto or Florence the machine or Dakota Johnson for like anything you know whereas they could have cast like Paris Hilton for this or something and then sure that's funny at least or you know fits with the quote-unquote story it's something you could if you had Paris Hilton you could have her little Pomeranians coming out of the Jackie bag yeah I mean I thought it was okay but I thought it was a missed opportunity and kind of here nor there and that the concept was a little muddled but gucci has had some of the weirdest brand ambassadors i don't know if you've seen this poster but ryan gosling is the face of their luggage collection or something that doesn't bother me i liked those ads a lot actually i don't know i just can never forgive gucci for their do you remember the their mv perfume ad that had chris evans and evan rachel wood as the face of it in a commercial directed by frank miller the comic book artist and director no i completely blocked that out as you should the cooler Gucci ads were when they have like an Iggy Pop or like, was Snoop Dogg in an ad? I know he went to one of their shows, but like people like that. Yeah. Just get Angeline. Come <gasps> on. Fuck. 
Or have Dakota Johnson as Angeline. Oh, yeah. That's cute. Something. Yeah. Something <sighs> funny. Again, just hire us. We are available. Also weird that they used the Dinosaur Jr. song, Feel the Pain, in the, the like video for it. That also confused me. Anyway, so last week, I'm sure you're all aware, because again, I feel like I've been waterboarded <laughs> with the promotion for the Yayoi Kusama Louis Vuitton collab, uh, which came out. It's her second collab with them. The first one came out, I think, in like 2013 or something to that effect. It's a huge collection. I, I think there's over 200 pieces. And uh, yeah, thoughts? It's not very cute. I think the bags are cute, but I don't think the ready to wear is cute. But I think that's kind of true of Louis Vuitton in general. The red colorway bags, I think, are the cutest. No, see, I like the monogram canvas stuff, personally. I went and saw it in the store in the Sydney airport, which, by the way, the international terminal in the Sydney airport, incredible. They have a Lueve store. They have a gentle monster store. I was like, what the fuck is this? Anyway. Okay, next time you're there, we need a little every outfit segment of you shopping. (laughs) Guys, we have these. We were supposed to do a live show last year, and that didn't end up happening. But Chelsea got these little mic what would you call them oh yeah they're like the mic covers that yeah, speci- local news reporters have and stuff special, that are branded yeah special every outfit branded mic covers but yeah it's cool because the monogram canvas stuff like it looks like it's been painted on and it's like I don't know how to explain it because those bags have that grainy texture and then the paint is on it it's like raised like with a gloss or something so it actually looks quite cool and expensive but I thought that there was a slight controversy because there seems to be a question which is does she even know that she's doing this collaboration well yeah on the internet the ethics of this have been debated because she is a 93 year old woman with dementia who has been living in a mental institution since the late 70s I believe and so either she's still very involved with her art and has an incredibly supportive team that helps her make business decisions and potentially creative decisions that are in her best interest or she's the Britney Spears of the art world and is just like forced into doing like these this massive Louis Vuitton collaboration although she did give an interview to American Vogue so that debunked the theory that she may not even be aware of the collaboration at all all right who's doing the podcast miniseries about this yeah I think I would be into having like a full like the weekender bag the passport case like that full drip so I can like rock up on my southwest flight just like (laughs) Fly as fuck. So good. What else? Oh, Tom Brown versus Adidas. Wow. This is a wild lawsuit for many reasons. The too long didn't read version is that Adidas is suing Tom Brown because Tom Brown. (laughs) Wait, Adidas? Adidas. That's the craziest way to say it. Adidas? I mean, Adidas. We say it Adidas. I know, but I like to say it the way that Tat says it. Okay. Adidas. Adidas. Uh, Yes, Adidas is suing Tom Brown because they're like, hey, wait a second. Even though you have three stripes that or three or four stripes that you're known for, you can't do that, especially if you're going to get into sportswear and expand into uh, Europe. Well, the whole thing is that in 2005, Tom Brown released clothes that had three stripes on them like Adidas. Adidas 
didn't sue them. Adidas contacted them and was like, we will sue you. Stop selling this stripe shit. So they added a fourth stripe, which they've been manufacturing clothes with this stripe ever since then. So as not to infringe on the copyright. And then like a couple years ago, they just like sued them over the four stripes. Because it seems like they were fine with it until they started to expand into Europe and then also specifically get into sportswear. But even so, I would never associate either with either. Yeah, it's so dumb because Adidas's claim is that the four stripes could confuse their customers who might mistakenly think that they're purchasing Adidas. Like, is someone really going to be like, oh, I thought I was purchasing a $40 Adidas backpack, but I actually purchased like a $6,000 wicker handbag shaped like a wiener dog. Like, <laughs> what? Like, that, it's actually insane. Or it's like, oh, I thought I was going to like buy a pair of Adidas track pants, but I actually bought like these assless tweed chaps. Yeah, it's also silly because... You're right. They've been doing this for 15 years. Well, also, stripes have always been part of sports culture. Adidas did not invent that. And Tom Brown is clearly also very inspired by preppy collegiate sports that the 1% likes type shit, right? Like rowing and yeah. croquet and stuff. Well, I guess the real beef comes from looking at the, the lawsuit is that They've started to produce a athletic athletic style apparel and footwear featuring two, three, or four parallel stripes, which is like you're gonna get on someone if they produce something that has two, three, or four stripes. When does it end? Like you can't have six stripes, eight stripes. When does Adidas fucking sue Sephora over their black and white striped bags? Did they try to sue the white stripes? Yes, seriously. It's crazy. It's like you can't draw from the same well of inspiration as another designer and then claim that they're copying you. Especially if what you are known for is the three stripe marks. It's like, okay, yeah, if someone also does three stripes, which I believe the Sephora bag does have three white stripes. No, the Sephora bag is just black and white stripes. I know because I thought about this as I was driving by the Sephora on my way here in the valley. You know that slept on Sephora that we love? Uh, yes, that was in formerly the Diner Dupars. Yeah. But they are seeking $867,225 in damages as well as $7 million in profits. Anyway, justice for Tom Brown. We're Team Tom Brown. Yeah, as everyone should be. Is that it? Oh, well... Christmas is continuing because the presents that we got for each other, or at least my present for you, did not arrive in time. So because we can't help but make everything content, we thought that we would exchange our Christmas presents over the podcast. Well, also because there's no interesting Kardashian news to speak of, and we have to find a way to wrap up the show so it's less awkward. <laughs> So, Which is, you know what? That's my goal for 2023 is finding a way to end this show that isn't so fucked up. So wait, now we have to manufacture an M-bit every single episode? No, I'm just saying like we could, like that's something we could improve on. Like right. you can't possibly like editing this shit, <laughs> you know? Hence why I'm searching for an editor in 2023. That's my goal <laughs> so that I don't have to edit every single episode we do. Okay, let's do it. All right. Who's going first? Should I go first? Sure, I'll take my gift. Oh, babes, <laughs> bitch. Okay, Lauren just gave me a little blue Tiffany bag. Girl, 
Yeah. It's, I'm already calling it. It's too much. <laughs> okay, I'm opening the little card. Chelsea, Merry Christmas. Here is a little something to put my ashes in when I die. <laughs> and I'll do the same. XOXO Lauren. Ooh, I'm excited. Uh, bitch. Oh, my God. Chell, look. I got uh, that's so, so sweet. Oh, okay. my God. <laughs> guys, <laughs> because you guys obviously can't see what I just gave Chelsea. At some point last year in the podcast, we had a joke about... Oh, my God. It's engraved. Yes. The Elsa, the Elsa Peretti bottle necklaces. And we joked about putting our ashes in it. So I got Chelsea one with oh. her initials engraved and i got uh the same with my initials that is the most beautiful <laughs> twisted gift that is so thoughtful oh my god thank you honey oh i will treasure it always of course but yeah it uh it took forever for the engraving to come <laughs> that is such a beautiful gift all right well i have a little something for you <laughs> should i say what bag it's in sure you've just handed me a large balenciaga bag you got to support your local Balenciaga in their time of need. <laughs> to Lauren from the perverted Balenciaga teddy bear. <laughs> okay, this is the tiniest shirt I've ever seen in my life. It but I figured that you could rock it. It's a bright yellow shirt that says Balenciaga X-rated. And it does look, I don't know if you remember these paparazzi photos of Megan Fox wearing her son's t-shirts, but that's what it looks like. Hold on, I will. I'm changing into it. <laughs> no, it's tiny. It's like, a. It's. it was the last one left. It was like the smallest thing I've ever seen. But I'm like, I'm sure she can like fit her tiny body inside that. Oh, perfect. Oh, it fits you. Per- it's roomy. Oh, room, it's room to roomy. grow even. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. I love that. Well, thank you. Aww. I do. I, you know, it's so me. I, it, I am Balenciaga and I am <laughs> X-rated. <laughs> no, it's really cute. Oh, well, thank you. What a lovely, yeah. lovely Chrissy gift. Wait, hold on. Where did they put your engraving? Because they put mine on like the blank side, not the like Tiffany and Co side. So I sort of have to wear my initials outside oh yeah they put mine on the outward side so what was the original idea is that we're supposed to put perfume in this um i think that she initially put like a little flower in them i think they were first appeared in one of halston's shows oh these are the little perfume oh these are the perfume ones yeah okay in my cruel intention addled mine could be a coke spoon but it's not there's no spoon at the end of this so yeah, I guess you put your favorite perfume. I mean, this could, I mean, while, yeah, this would work as a Coke spoon, I think, actually. Well, now that I know what my final resting place looks like. <laughs> I mean, Tab will get most of you. I'm just asking for a little bit. Just a little piece. Oh, that's so cute. It's very like Patty Smith did this with Robert Maplethorpe's ashes. Yeah, I, I'm also realizing, I guess, this is definitely partially inspired by our obsession with Angelina Jolie and having a little bit of uh, Billy Bob's blood in a vial. (laughs) Which, thinking back on it, it wasn't that weird. Yeah, you're right. It's not that weird. But It was like a drop of blood in a vial. I know, but she had already kind of like fucked things up by saying things to the press about her relationship with Johnny Lee Miller and how they were into knife play and shit. So then it just kind of like played into that and seemed very dark and sinister. 
no judgment to anyone who uh she was also just a year before talking about how in love she was with her brother yeah well that was taken out of context in my opinion by the way we're just staring at each other now (laughs) looking at the our elsa peretti matching necklaces all right guys thanks for listening again and uh, yeah, if you have suggestions about good ways we can end episodes, you know, maybe you want a platitude. Maybe you want some food for thought. We don't know how to end these episodes. So please help us in 2023. So we're ending it now. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.